0: Take your Bibles and go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Now that we got rid of all the young people, we're ready for class. <laughs> Get rid of all these young people so we can have class, all right? 1 Timothy chapter number 6 this morning, and uh, we are continuing this series on making homework. Now, let me, uh, I was, I've, I've been doing some planning ahead. And so uh, the next three lessons are kind of unique. Next week's lessons about gender. It's a great lesson. It's all Bible. And uh, I, I, I don't there's a lot of people that get off in different areas when it comes to things like that. I, I'm just going to stay biblical when it comes to that, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but I think there's it's a great lesson on gender. and then the the, the two weeks following that, I'm going to cover a series. It really they go hand in hand dealing with uh media in the home and i think i i enjoyed i've just done a little preliminary studying on those and i think i think they'll be very very helpful and so i'm looking forward to the lessons coming up we've got about six more lessons to go in this series and so today we're in first timothy chapter number six beginning at verse number six the bible says but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world And it is certain we can carry nothing out. Now, that one verse right there would change people's lives, wouldn't it? You know, just like Job said, you know, naked came we into this world, right? None of us had a a wallet, a purse, a checkbook, a bank account. And when we check out, guess what? We can't take anything with us as far as this world is concerned. And so that verse right there, if some people would just get a hold of verse 7, it would change their lives. And notice verse 8, having food and raiment... Let us be there with content, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many what? Many sorrows, you know? And uh i it, you know again i, I I'm not going to go off on this for a long time, but i have t- never played a lottery ticket i've never I've never purchased a lottery ticket, uh and I'll tell you right now, I was on the news like five hundred and some million dollars or something right now, and uh people are just people are just crazy when it comes to stuff like that. Now, can I tell you, money is not evil, according to the Bible? what is the love of money, right? And some people, they spend their entire lives, they don't understand that you came into this world with nothing, and you can't take anything out of this world either. So this morning, I want to bring this this thought about cultivating contentment. Because we live in a consumerist uh, culture. I mean, every time you turn around, someone's trying to get you to buy something, and it's not just them asking you to buy it, it's the way they market it. Uh, I I do a little bit of social media, and a lot of times uh, my kids laugh at me. The real reason I have most of the things that I do is because one of them is because my former pastor asked me to be on Twitter, and that's why I have a Twitter account. And and then uh, I got on, uh, uh, what's it called, Uh, no, Instagram. I got on Instagram because I wanted to kind of keep up with my kids, and now that I'm a grandpa, I post pictures. Of course, they hate it when I post because they say I embarrass them. But no, nonetheless, I, I have a little bit, and I'm amazed that like every time I look that someone has got this new venture, new business or something, and, the, and they tag you or however they put it because they want you to like them so that you, they can try to sell you or show you some stuff. We live in a consumerist type of a culture And look, one of the things that we need to understand is is that children oftentimes are the target. Now, you wouldn't think so, but you'll see in the lesson today, and I know you've seen this in life, children are in danger of falling prey to a materialistic values of this culture that we live in. this world, their mentality is enough is never enough. I've got to have more. You know, I've got two cars in the driveway, I need another one. You know, and and it's it's we're always looking. You know, I, I've got a I got a house full, but I need to go buy this, and that's that's the culture we live in. Look, you don't have to be uh, older to focus on the temporal things in life. A child, again, I've seen a lot of studies this week when a child believes, and a lot of them come to this place at an early age when they believe in their heart that happiness. And their identity in life are found in possessions. Or in the acceptance that those things would would gain them, what children are doing is they're focusing on material things. Now, you you might say, well, how does this happen? Well, listen to this. Children from two to five years of age, that's very young children, two to five years of age, they watch more than 32 hours of television a week. Now, this is the average. A lot of children watch a lot more than that, but 32 hours of television a week, and they see more than 40,000 commercials a year. And children pay attention to what they're seeing, what they're watching. And so, what you're seeing is these children are being exposed. Somebody said that brand loyalties, you know, you, you see the Nike swoosh, you know, there's no name there, it's just a brand, it's a logo. Brand loyalties can be established as early as the age of two. They say that by the age, by by the time that a child is in first grade, most children, if you if you started showing them most of the the, the brands that are out there, they can recognize up to two hundred brands by the time they're in the first grade. And you know that's if you notice our church, we 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 had a, a logo designed or a brand design. Uh, that it depicts our church. It's got the Word of God. It's got a palm tree. We're here in in Southern, uh, Southern Florida. And what we're trying to do is trying to get like an identity, but our identity doesn't identify with the world. It identifies with the Lord and where God's placed us. But children, it's amazing. Listen, to what somebody said, I think I put this in your outline. Kids represent an important demographic to marketers because in addition to their own purchasing power, They influence their parents' buying decisions and are the adult consumers of the future. (laughs) I mean, just think about that. You know, we're talking about little bitty kids, but a lot of times they're the ones, they might not be actually handing the money to somebody, but they're the ones making the decisions because parents give their kids everything that they ask for. See, kids heavily weigh in. Is this not true on the food you buy? You know, I've seen kids, I've walked past the cereal aisle and watched moms with their kids. No, 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 not that one. You know, I I mean, I've stood there and listened to these kids. That one, you know, got to have that one. When I was a kid, do you remember when cereal used to have the little prizes in it? Remember that? And I'd always get the cereal and dig all the way down in there. My sisters would be like, you put your own. I said, then don't eat it. You know, it's my favorite cereal. Just leave it alone. But, you know, a lot of times kids decide the food we buy. How about this? Where, we're, where we'll go out to eat. A lot of times, you know, it's, you know, Johnny doesn't want to go there. He wants to go here. That's where the family goes. Children decide where we're going to eat. They decide clothes purchases, the types of clothes that, that they want to wear. And the reason that they want to wear it is because all their friends are wearing these clothes. Uh, children decide on computers, you know. Uh, man, I can't even, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have anything. We played with rocks, you know, sticks. I'm serious. I played with sticks when I was a kid. I mean, nowadays, I see these kids with the latest uh, iPads, and I'm like, you know, yeah, hoverboard, I call all kinds of stuff. Children decide entertainment, and they even decide travel. You know, some kids, they're like, I don't want to go there. I want to go here, you know, and that's where the family goes. Now, can I tell you, listen, I mean this was all sincerity and love, a home should not be child-driven. It should not be. It's, that was never God's intention. It never will be God's intention for a home to be driven by the children. So how can we break children from materialistic influences? I want to give you this morning, I think, three great principles. They're spiritual practices that we must, and I'm going to use that word, we must follow in our homes if God is going to be pleased with our home. So here's the first one. You and I need to model contentment in the home. Model contentment in the home. The Bible says again in verse number six, godliness with contentment, notice they go hand in hand, godliness with contentment is great game. What we need to understand is, is that there needs to be a contentment with what we have and children need to see this. The, look, contentment, you know what it is? It means having enough. That's what contentment is. It's not looking on the other side of the fence, or wanting what your neighbor has. You know, now again, somebody might be blessed, but a lot of times you see something and what you don't see is the, the payment book. What you don't see is how far in debt they went to purchase that. And, and we have to understand that contentment is having enough. You know what contentment is? It's the exact opposite of covetousness. That's what it is. And there's a lot of people that are covetous when it comes to things in this world, material things. So notice when you think about modeling contentment, what does it mean? Well, modeling contentment means to be living below your means, to live below your means. Too many parents model discontentment to their children, and here's how they do it. In the process, they're accumulating debt, and I see this all the time, because of that, the parent is having to work extra hours take on another job and you know what that means the parents are at home less and less and it's sad but that's the way you see it a lot of times i grew up with a father that loved me very much and i never knew this when i was a little kid i remember christmas as my favorite christmas was there was this ugly green box when i came down stairs the christmas tree was there there was presents on the tree I saw this box and it was a wooden box and I thought, well that's interesting. There's no wrapping paper on it, just as kind of a weird looking green wooden box. I remember seeing that box and I was I was I always woke up kind of out of it. I was standing there just kind of looking at the tree and the lights were on. I saw the packages and I saw this box and I was just kinda standing there and all of a sudden I kinda heard I kind of heard this. I was like And then I heard it again. And then I heard it louder, and I went over, and, I heard, and it was coming out of that green box. And I opened that green box up, and there was a dog, and there was a puppy in there. As was one of the best, best Christmases that I can remember as a little boy. But, but I, you know what I remember? I remember tearing open all those packages and got a lot of neat things. But I seriously can remember playing with boxes and things. And I've seen my own kids do this. You know, we buy them something. I, and I'm talking very young. You know very young but they end up playing with the boxes the wrapping paper and the and the toys just sit there you know and as a parent you're like i bought that expensive gift and they're not even playing with it and my i didn't know this but my dad every year when i was a kid very little my dad would would spend all this money because he thought that those things would make us happy and he just wanted to please us and so he would go out and spend all this money and charge up all this stuff and then he would spend all year paying off everything that he charged only to do it again the following year. If I'd have been older and realized what he was doing, I would have just said, Dad, look, I don't need those things. You know, Now, as a, as a kid, I mean, you enjoy those things. But look, understand, as it says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich ruleth over the poor. And look at this. The borrower is servant to the lender. You know, sometimes people see your house, boy, that's a nice house, yeah, it's not mine, it's the bank's, you know, that's a nice car, yep, it's not mine, it's the bank's, you know, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, people can be divided, somebody said, into three classes of people today, and I love how he put this, he says, you have the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they have. <laughs> And that's true. You're you're in one of those categories, you know, the have, the have-nots or the 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 have-not paid for what they have. So what what do we need to do? If we're going to model living below our means, we need to teach our children, listen, it doesn't it you can start at an early age, but we need to teach children the difference between needs, wants and desires. We need to teach them the difference and as As you live below your means, what are you doing? You're modeling contentment to your children. You're telling your child that what you need, listen, and this is great for a Christian, what you're saying to them when you're modeling contentment is you're saying the only thing we really need is the Lord. That's what you're saying to them when you do that. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation that's talking about your lifestyle be without what? Covetousness. And look, be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, until I, until, until I really gazed into that verse and realized that's what that verse is saying is, I'm all you need. Uh, I love the songwriter wrote, Christ is all I need. He's all I need. Uh, those things that, that, you know, when, when I was a, a kid and I got all those toys, listen, I can't, those toys have been gone for years. That, that, that puppy's been in puppy heaven for years. you know, But the reality is, is that I still have the Lord. And, and that, that, that's what we, our children need to see is that we need to live below our means. Look at a second way we can model contentment is by providing for basic necessities. By providing for basic necessities. Look back in chapter 6. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Now, a lot of times you, you, you think about kids, your, your child ever do this, they walk over, they open up the refrigerator and they think it's a television, they just stand there and stare. And it's like, listen, find what you want and close the door. You know, the electricity is on. I, I'm like, I don't know, i think thinking a lot of times they think a pizza is just going to pop out of the refrigerator. I don't, I don't know what, the, you know, but the Bible says, be content with the things that you have, such as food and raiment my kids have done this many times even as adults we've got food in the cabinet we've got food in the refrigerator and they go over there and they i'm like what's the problem well we don't have anything to eat <laughs> no no we don't have anything instant you might actually have to make something you know my my daughter's got you know she's she's gotten kind of in you know she goes into the kitchen and she looks around to see what we've got and then she gets on her phone and again i didn't have this luxury and she starts looking on there for something with what we have and then she starts putting together and i'm like what are you making she's like well i never had it before but this is what we're going to make and she puts it together and it turns out okay and i'm like that's that's cool she found something that we have she was content with what we, what we have and uh, but there have been times where there wasn't something and we had to go out and get something But the Bible says, be content, what we need to be doing for our families is providing for basic necessities. So what do we need to be content? Well, listen, the goal of life is not to accumulate a bunch of things, what the goal of life is is to meet our family's needs. And, you know, you could look at the Christian life, it's not only meeting our family's needs, but sometimes it's meeting the needs of others. And uh, that, that's what, part of the Christian life. Look at Proverbs 23, 4. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. Anybody else's money have wings on it like mine? You know, money just flies away. And it says here, they fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Now, what we need to do is assure our children, somehow give them the confidence that they will be provided for, that we will meet their necessities. Now, sometimes I can't afford uh, or I don't want to afford maybe their wants or their desires, but I want to meet their needs. I want to make sure that they've got clothes. I want to make sure they've got food. Those are the basic necessities of life. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, look at this verse. You should know it. If any provide not for his own, and specifically for uh, those of his own house, He hath denied the faith, and that that he is worse than an infidel. So it's our responsibility. And a lot of times I see this. I see fathers working hard to provide for their families. A lot of times I see mothers doing without so that their children can have something. And I see this, and that's really the way God's meant it to be. Now, what are some of those basic necessities? Well, when you think about it, uh, shelter, you know, a roof over their head. Uh, we should be thankful for the shelter that, that that is provided for us. Another basic need of a child is food. We've talked about this, having food. Another one is clothing, you know, making sure that children have clothes to wear. How about this one? A lot of times we may not think about this, but education. Education is a basic need for children. And then another one would be recreation. Now, children need uh, times of recreation. They need times that they can uh, do things, uh, activities to be involved that will help them physically and help them in other ways. But look, when I think about all these basic necessities, can I tell you, now listen, I didn't put this in your notes, but I want you to get this. Your children don't need things. Here's what they need. They need you. Remember what I said, that a lot of times, because we try to give our children things that they don't need, but we wanna provide them for them. And, and oftentimes that, that discontentment is there, it's created by us as parents. What we need to understand is, while we're out working a job to pay for those things, your children would honestly, if they could tell you, say, look, dad, I don't need those things, I'd rather you be here so that we can play ball. I'd rather you be here so that, so that when it comes time to go to bed, you could tuck me in. You know, Mom, I, I, I want you to be here instead of you being doing, doing something else. And so what we need to see is that children need us more than they need stuff. So we need to model contentment in the home. Now listen, that's our responsibility is we have to model that. Now that means you and I have to be content with the things that we have. We have to be content. If we are not content, then our children will see our discontentment. And the Bible says, Godliness with contentment is great what? Great gain. Now, look at the second thing there. Not only do we model contentment in the home, but look at the second one. We need to mentor workers in the home. Now, I'm not talking about slave labor, okay? So you can set that aside. Some of you are thinking, yes, you know, we can make our kids. Uh, but. He, you, you know that if you've been looking around, do we not live in a day of what many people call the entitlement mentality? We, we live in a day where people think that everything should be handed to them, that they, sh- they don't have to work for anything, that, you know, these kids, sometimes they, they go on the, uh, these teen activities and they show up and they, you know, I'm thinking, man, they can't afford a, a $5 activity, Brother Kenny, and he's like, are you kidding me? They show up with $20 bills. I'm like, what? And it's nothing for children to have all kinds of money, and 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 here's what mom and dad do: they just they just hand it to them. I didn't have that luxury. As a Matter of fact, I didn't really know what money. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I was provided for. My parents took care of me. They put a roof over my head. I had clothes to wear. I had food to eat. I wasn't I wasn't mistreated or abused as a child. But but understand, I'm glad that I had parents. That taught me how to work. Uh, my dad, I mowed the grass. You, know, you ask a kid nowadays, go mow the lawn. They kind of look at you like, what? You know? And 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 they, boy, and oftentimes the way they mow it. And and you know, look, don't just say, son, you did an awful job. No, you go out there with him, get the mower, and show him how to mow. That's the only way he's going to learn how to do it. We've got to mentor workers in the home, and this philosophy of this entitlement mentality. In America runs the opposite of contentment, and it's something that starts in a child's heart. Children develop expectations that life is that everything should be handed to them. Look at Proverbs 13:4. "The soul of the what? Sluggard. sluggard desireth and hath nothing." A sluggard is someone who just sits around expecting, "Look, that's what's wrong with America today. Uh, the word work, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, is a bad word in our in our country today, and work is not a bad thing. A wise parent will teach their son, teach their daughter how to work, but listen, and how to work hard. My daughter, you can ask her, my daughter sitting right back there, she hung drywall with me one time. Now we survived it, she survived it, you know, I'm, I'm a tough boss, you know. And she's like, man, you know, I was just, but I was like, hold that up. I mean, we were hanging drywall over her head. Now, God didn't give me a, a son. He gave me daughters. And so all, my daughters know how to do drywall. They know, and people laugh at that all the time. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. We need to teach our children. The days of teaching children a trade, you know, I mean, sons don't even know how to change a car tire nowadays. Uh, how to change the oil. They don't even know what an oil plug is. And they just go to the Jiffy loop and let the Jiffy loop take care of it. We need to teach our children, mentor workers in the home. Look at this. First of all, work is a means for your provision. Teach your children that work is a means, that life is not about being handed something. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3. Look at some principles here in these verses. Even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, Neither should he what eat. eat. Now there's a principle that might work in the home. Son, clean your room, and when you're done, we'll have breakfast. You know, and it's so. Look, you, you've got to understand. It's look what he says here. We hear that there are some uh, which walk among you disorderly, working not at all. But look at they are busybodies. Now them that are such, those that are busybodies, those that aren't working. He says, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So what he's saying here is that work, we have to work before we are provided for. Uh, You work and then you eat. Look at Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall what? Shall increase. You know, look, You see somebody with a nicer automobile or something like that, how did he get that? He worked for it, you know, Now, unless he's got a rich uncle or something like that. But we need to mentor workers in the home, and we do this helping our children understand that work is the means for their provision. Teach children that money is the result of somebody's work, somebody's labor. You know, children think money grows on trees or dad's credit card. And that's a lot of times what children think is, is that you know, money, it'll, it'll just happen. Now, look here, we need to not only teach them that it's the means of our provision, but write this one down. Work is something that was ordained by God. God is the one that ordained. Look, if, if a parent, and I hope you're not like this, but if you get up in the morning and your children are around you and you're like, Oh, man, I hate my job. I don't want to go to work today. What are you teaching your child? You know, to hate work, to dread work. Now, look, there's plenty of jobs out there. Uh, if, you, if, if there's some reason, now remember, if you have the job that you do, God gave you that job, there's a reason you have that job. And what you need to do is say, Lord, help my heart about whatever it is that, that I have problems with, whether it's my boss, my coworkers, whatever it is, maybe it's God trying to grow you to be a better employee, maybe to get along with other people, whatever it is. But God has ordained work. Look, it was one of the first instructions that God gave to man in the Bible. Go back in your notes there to Genesis 2. Look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden. Now, look at the words. To dress it and to keep it. Now, if you study the Bible, those instructions by God to man... We're given before what we call the fall. God gave those instructions to the man to work, to labor before the fall. So here's here's what you need to understand is that work is not the result of sin. It's not like because of what Adam did, God says, I'm going to punish you, and so my punishment is I'm going to make you work. Now, that's the way a lot of people think about work, but that's not Bible. You see that work is ordained of God. It's a gift of God, and when we work, what happens is it leads to success. The Bible used the word increase. Now, there's great examples in the Bible. Here's a couple of them. Joseph. Joseph, remember, he was a dependable messenger for his father. He went out as his father asked. Now, he met up with his brothers and had to deal with that whole situation, not only with his brothers. But with the, the giant and so on, uh, we, we see oftentimes the, uh, that, that Samuel, Samuel, when he was in the tabernacle, he worked hard. Even as a child, he worked very, very hard. David, David was one that when it came to, to caring for his father's sheep, that David tenderly cared for them. He was a hard worker. And each one of these individuals and many more in the Bible, here's what you find is because they were a hard worker, they were later on put in a position of responsibility. And what our children need to see is that if we model contentment and we help our children understand that work is something that God has given to us, that if they put their hand to the plow, that they will find that it will lead to success. So begin teaching your children at a young age about work. Well, how do we do this? Look, you're going to go out and clean the garage? Take your son with you, you know? Say, hey, listen, put that over there, you know? They get a little bit older. Like I said, maybe, maybe you can give them, we used to call them chores. I don't know what you call them. Uh, we used to call them chores, the various things that you can do. And, and as they get older, what you could say is, listen, I'll, I'll give you $2 a week to take out the trash for the entire week. You know. Now, it may not be what other kids are getting, but I'll tell you this, they're going to appreciate everything they earn, and when they spend that money, they will know that they got that money from working hard. It's a great lesson, and it's a Bible lesson, and we need to be mentoring workers in the home. Look at number three. Another thing we can do for our children is manage stewardship habits in the home. Managing stewardship habits in the home. Now, look, many don't reap the blessings because they aren't good stewards. Does not the Bible say, look at it, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Now, you know what that includes? what God has entrusted us with. If you've got money in the bank right now, if you've got money in your purse or your wallet, guess what? God entrusted you with that. God blessed you with that. And what God wants you to do is to be faithful with that, be a good steward of that. Well, children need to be taught that attitude when it comes to money. Listen, attitudes regarding money are learned. And children learn primarily from their parents. They'll watch you, Mom and Dad. They'll watch... How you manage your money. Uh, if you blow it, then guess what they're going to do when they get older? They're going to blow it. My, my father-in-law that's been here a couple times, he writes down everything. I mean, he, he's one of those, uh, if I can borrow a term from the years gone by, a penny pincher. He knows where every cent he owns is at. He's got it all written down. He's, got, it's, he's very meticulous. And guess what? My wife's the exact same way. Now, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, and it's not a big thing, but my father-in-law is not my wife's biological father, so it's not like she inherited that from him. She learned that from him, and by the way, I didn't learn that when I was a kid growing up, so I'm glad she's that way, because I didn't understand what S-A-L-E meant. That, that, that means sale for somebody who can't spell, all right? And, and, and so when I would go to a store, i never look. Every time my wife goes shopping, you know where she goes? She goes into a store and goes straight to the back. I'm like, why does she go to the back? Because that's where the sale racks are. My wife is a very thrifty shopper. I mean, a lot of times we go out. Now, when I go shopping and she goes shopping, it's t- two totally different things. I go shopping to conquer. I'm going to go buy something. I don't go shopping unless I'm going to buy something. But when my wife goes, she just looks in the windows she just looks on the rack. I don't get that. If I'm going to waste my time, I'm going to reward myself and buy something. Look, no, guess what? Our children picked up on those habits. Some of my kids shop like I do, and some of my children shop like my wife do. They learn these habits. We've got to manage some good stewardship habits in our home, and so our children are watching us. Now, what are some habits that we need to teach our children regarding wise financial stewardship. Here's a couple of them. Write them down. Teach giving. The Bible says, upon the first day of the week, lay it by him in store. That's talking about in the church house That on the Lord's Day. Here's what we're going to start doing, and, and, and I hope you understand this, especially those of you that have children. But for years, when I came here, maybe they were doing it in the past, we don't take an offering in the children's classes or children's church. We're going to start doing that. You know why? Because we want children to realize when you come to church, you give to the Lord. Now, that means they're going to have to ask mom and dad, hey, can I have an offering? By the way, that's a good thing, you know? And it's not about us getting the money. It's about us helping the children with a principle. But look, it should start in the home. Mom and dad should say, hey, listen, you need your offering. We used to do that with our children. And we just give them a little something, put it in a little envelope. And the Bible says we need to teach Giving, teach your children to give to the Lord first. Look at the Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Children need to understand that we give to the Lord first. Okay? So if you want to teach some good habits, teach giving. Secondly, teach budgeting. The Bible says, Know the state of thy flocks, look well to thy herds. Look at Luke 14, verse 28. Which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it, and all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What you have to do, because children don't think things through, is you have to sit down with them and go, okay, now I understand that you want to buy that toy. Now, that toy costs this amount of money, and your allowance is only this much per week, and this much is the Lord's, so that leaves you with this much left over. Now, you think, can the children really grasp all this? Absolutely. And so what you can say is, now, if you want to do that, it's going to take you about three months to buy that toy. Now, you know what's going to happen is, they're going to learn the value of money, they're going to learn the value of hard work, and they're going to say, uh, listen, I'm going to save for that, and when they get that, guess how they're going to treat that toy, differently than if you just went out and bought it and gave it to them okay so now look we need to teach budgeting how about a third thing teach saving teach savings help kids to understand that that saving sometimes requires sacrifice along the way look at proverbs 21 there's treasure to be desired oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man spendeth it up i mean doesn't save a penny doesn't have a penny to their name. Uh, Some people, literally, when they die, there's not going to be anything for their families to fight over because there's nothing there. They just spend it all up. Uh, Folks, look, don't don't feel like every time you get a paycheck, I got to go spend the whole thing. You know, Save it. Teach your children how to save. And then how about the letter D? Teach spending. Not only saving, but spending. Uh, You remember the passage about the prodigal son? The Bible says, he went out and he took took what was his father's that his father gave to him. He went out and he wasted it on righteous living. He spent it up. The Bible says, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. It was at that point he thought, boy, I wish I would have saved. I wish I'd have held something back. How many of you have ever worked a job where where you're working commission? Anybody ever work commission jobs? And I oftentimes said I never wanted to, and God, be careful about saying never, and, I, and, and so God gave me a job working commission, and, and I realized I had to manage my money differently when I, because you have lean months and you have good months. You know, it's like, it's like car salesmen. Sometimes car sales are way up, and sometimes you can't sell a car. And, and there's good months and bad months. Well, listen, all of us experience times of blessing and times where uh, we're wondering, how am I going to pay the bills? And we need to teach our children this matter of spending. Now, look, teach them to avoid some things. How about this? You ever heard of impulsive spending? That's, that's where you go out and you spend money because of emotions. You know, he didn't tell me that he loved me today. I'm going to go buy a 20 pound box of chocolate, you know, and you just go out and, and you, you impulsive spend, or how about this? Compulsive spending. You know what the difference is? Compulsive spending means that you have an obsession that every time you go out, you have to buy something. And teach your children. Sometimes when my wife and I go out, we go out and we go shopping, and we come home with nothing. And, and a lot of times that's not an easy thing to do, but look, these principles, these stewardship habits are things that we need to instill in our children And here's the last one. We need to maintain biblical priorities in the home. Maintain biblical priorities. Now, how do we do that? There's two ways, two basic priorities when it comes to contentment. Number one, look at this, trust in the Lord. When you trust in the Lord, it's a reflection of your heart that you are content with what the Lord has given to you, that God is enough and he's providing your needs. And I love it because the Bible says this, give and it shall be given unto you. Let's say that give and it shall be given unto you and you know what god wants to do he wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out of what a blessing that you cannot receive it so what we need to under, help them understand is trust in the lord and then let her be serve the lord see when we serve the lord it's an exercise it's an actual putting into practice what's in our heart the contentment in our heart we serve others and that attitude about serving others you know what it does it turns our children's attention away from themselves, away from their wants and their desires to where they see the needs of others. Uh, we, we have, uh, we, we've got the table out in the lobby for the Jubilee Center uh, that, that people are bringing stuff in, and we're going to uh, get that over to the Jubilee Center this week. And that's, that's our church family, Christians, realizing that people have needs and they want to help. Now, biblical priorities will cost time and money, but I'll tell you this, the benefits far outweigh the cost. The benefits, there's there's great benefits. So the road to contentment, you know where it begins? If you're gonna get on that road to contentment, it begins in the home. You have to be content as parents and children that have parents that are modeling and mentoring contentment, you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna enter into life with a stability, financial stability and a social maturity beyond their years and the best of all, because they have the Lord, they too will be content. They'll realize that I have enough because I have the Lord. So I've given you some questions there that I want you to look at this week. Think about it. Maybe spend some time, if you're a husband and wife, and go over those things. Share them with your children, but don't forget to do your homework. And next week's topic is this. What's so specific about gender, all right? And so we're going to look at a biblical approach when it comes to this matter of gender, all right? Well, let's have a word of prayer and ask God to bless our homes. Lord, thank you for this time, pray that you'd bless each thing that was said this morning. Lord, bless your word and let it do its work in our lives. Help us to be parents, whether single parent or uh, two in the home. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to model in front of our children contentment, that we'd mentor our children in the ways of God, to teach them uh, habits that would be good for them, that would be God-honoring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.